everybody. Welcome to Elder Speak, the official podcast of ElderGeek.com. You're listening to issue number 47, and with me this week, I've got uh, Gavin. Hey, everybody. And I've got Mots. <laughs> hey. And we're gonna go through the news. <laughs> um, are you guys both ready? Do you wanna? Do you guys wanna? Uh, where should we get started? I have the perfect place to get started. If you guys are ready, I'm. I'm yeah. Let's hit me. Why don't we start off this week with a bit of hot coffee, shall we? Oh, Everyone it's... loves the delicious Easter egg sex scene that was in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Everyone except, of course, for the usual complainers that always go against Rockstar for some reason, or Mass Effect if you if you watch Fox News. <laughs> Regardless, however, Rockstar has come up to the plate. They have uh, sent out cash settlements to those bereaved at the at the side of virtual sex. And the great thing is, they've been waiting for what? When did San Andreas come out? Two thousand three? No, no, no. It had to be like two thousand five, right? Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. So they've been waiting at least three, four, five years for these settlements, and they range between, get this, $5 and $35. <laughs> that was worth I, I can just imagine all these like very uptight Christian women getting their like $6 check, and they're like, worth it. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh-huh. it's, they're due on tax day, which is coming up um, next week, or just a little bit, 10 days from now at the time of this recording. So if you don't get it soon from Rockstar, you're not going to get it. Five so, and a half years. <laughs> Five and a half years. Congratulations I, to all those complainers. I remember a few years ago when this was a really big issue in the media and everything, and uh, and Rockstar, you know, went out and said that anyone who had a problem with the hot coffee, um, hot coffee mod or whatever it is, DLC, uh, they could uh, they could send them an official letter letter uh, requesting uh, getting you know uh, settlements basically. Yep. And this is how long it took. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what, what, uh, apparently, what the court ordered by April fifteenth, tax day, twenty ten. So they're, you know, Rockstar is following the order. Good for yeah. them. And you know what, Absolutely. though, honestly, <laughs> I understand why people felt so upset about the whole darn thing. But come on, it's an adult game. It was meant for adults. No kids should be playing this anyway. No, no adults should be offended by seeing sex after all the atrocities that you, you know, you witness <laughs> in the game anyway. Right, but the, uh, what really amuses me about it, have I, any of you played it? Have, uh, have you actually guys encountered the sex scene of hot coffee? No, I think I've, I've only watched it on YouTube just to see what was pissing so many people off. Or on hilarious. Not only the graphics are so bad, but it's about as realistic depiction of sex as the rest of the game is a realistic depiction of violence. <laughs> it's absolutely. It's a rhythm game. If you know about it, I'm looking at the screenshot now. Push up and down in rhythm. That is the instructions for the scene. I mean, I oh, cannot so imagine dancing. Kidding. Exactly, it's dance, dance, Re- it's dance, dance revolution between the sheets. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, they had a dancing mini game in, in the game where you can go to a disco and everything. Yeah, and do well, yeah. Exactly that kind of mini game. Uh, but I, I, I'm personally, I finished the game way before this whole thing got started. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's always hilarious to see what people find to complain about. But we're moving on. A nice little side note for everyone here on the grassroots side of video games activism. The Video Game Voters Network, the grassroots association that goes to um, political figures and debates the issues about the game community, including raising taxes on video games, games representation in the media at large, etc. They have hit the 200,000 member moniker um, milestone, which is a big feet for these guys congratulations to them props from elder geek to vg network what do you uh, have you guys are you familiar with it at all are you members i'm not a member no and um i think uh, i i've actually checked them out at um um crap what do you call it 
Uh, why am I drawing and a blank? Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually ran into them uh, recently at uh, crap. What was the New Year's Elder uh, a video game show? Magfest. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you figured it out. Long, long time for nothing. But they, they seem pretty cool, and they and they do seem to be you know fighting for um for you know gamers' rights kind of thing. Uh, Absolutely. So it, it's definitely a worthy cause. Definitely, everybody should check them out. Uh, do we have a website that we can we can at least pimp for them? I believe VideoGameVotersNetwork.com, vo- um, VGVN. So just uh, type their full name in, .com, I believe. I actually do not have a website. I feel ashamed. That's okay. We can move on to the next one. I'll find the yep. website. Well, we'll put it on. We'll uh, maybe attach it to the to the page of, for the podcast on the site. Definitely check it out. I am a member. And um, I sent them in a picture one time. They got me into E for All in 2007 for free. So cool. these guys, really, it's high high reward for being with them. Just mm. every Elder Geek should be a member. It's, it is, it's good for us. It is videogamevoters.org. All one word, videogamevoters, with an S, dot org. Absolutely. Everyone go there now. But we are moving on. We're actually going to skip over all of our... Uh, April 1st news items. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hope you guys had fun with them. I had a lot of fun writing the Duke Nukem Forever one. But we actually got, on the same day of my fun Duke Nukem Forever post, we got a serious Duke Nukem Forever post. And that was from the producer of the game, um, Jason Bergman, former producer at 2K Games and Take-Two Interactive, stated on his Twitter that had they not been, had the production not been stalled so brutally earlier on in the year, or late last year, I believe... Duke Nukem would have gone for uh, Duke Nukem Forever would have gone gold on April first, twenty ten. To which I say absolutely bullshit. But a lot of people, it's it's been hitting all over the opinion spectrum. What do you guys think? Uh, I agree, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, buddy. <laughs> yeah. How many times was it supposed to go gold again? <laughs> ten, eight. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah, they were trying for gold harder than most of the characters in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's good one. I good mean, one. Be, yeah, best best of luck to these guys finding new jobs. Best, of, I mean, best wishes to them. But bullshit, man. Official Elder Geek. <laughs> we're we're hitting the gavel in the background here. Elder Geek says bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we're moving on. Let's move on to a less bullshit uh, personality with Jimmy Fallon. The um comedian turned late night host rather popular in terms of video games he premiered uh, project natal basically just right after we had heard about it at large in the community and supposedly he's going to host again a new game debut from cliff blazinski the um, mcbiceps direct- director of of course gears of war and shadow complex and that's going to be on april 8th so even by the time this podcast podcast is up you're still going to have a time to catch it that is the uh, late night with jimmy fallon and what do you do? You guys think it's going to be Gears of War? Do you have a different idea of what it's going to be? Well, we have no idea as of right now. It's been two years. If if they release the next Gears, Gears of War uh, this fall, then it's been two years, and that seems about right. Yeah, so, I yeah. I agree with Mots. It'll it'll probably be um it'll probably be another one. Um, but I mean, what else has uh, Cliff Blazinski done? I mean, he's done um Jack and Jumping Unreal, Jazz right? Flash, something. Really? Yeah, he did, uh, so, yeah, something about a jackrabbit. I have, yeah, yeah. But uh, but that was a very early on. That was um, mm. you know generations ago in terms of consoles. So well, um, in I terms mean, of you know, go ahead. Yeah, I guess it could be a new IP, new franchise. Uh, but awesome. you know, there's really no use in speculating about that because you know you no, can't really speculate. 
It's so, definitely yeah. it's definitely a new video game though. Um, well, definitely a new a new title, not necessarily a new IP, but um, definitely a new video game. In oh, okay. Sense. Yeah. See, right. I, I would I would think that they would want to try, Microsoft would want to try and push Epic, which is basically their biggest supporter in terms of gaming, and just make them do something for Nintendo. But true, that's me. It is possible, but uh, again, this is right along. We had um, earlier prediction a couple weeks ago about the uh, the press cycle for Gears of War three, and it's about um, people predicted that we would have a reveal in April, in terms of having this in a Christmas release of this year, mm. or um, very early twenty eleven. So this is right in line, right on schedule. So it's a pretty good bet. I mean, it's about eighty percent likelihood that it's going to be Gears of War three. But again. We've always been surprised before, but uh, and everyone. So we're all in agreement here. It's probably Gears of War three. Probably Gears of War three. I mean, uh, his other games are Dare to Dream and Jazz Jackrabbit. So probably Gears of War three. Yep. Unless okay. it's Jazz Jackrabbit two. I would actually like that. So I would like that more than Gears of War three. <laughs> surprisingly, but uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. Keep it tuned to Jimmy Fallon on April 8th, which is coming up in just a few days by the time of this podcast. So make sure to tune in if you have the station. So let's move on to a bit of somber news, if you will. Ubisoft's Just Dance, which is exact, plays exactly like it sounds, just sold 2 million copies on the Wii, proving that once again, that simple, very, very easily sells. Basically, if you don't know the game, it is a rhythm game with a person dancing on the screen, and basically you mimic the motions of the dancer with the Wiimote. And it's basically 30 pop pop hits like Lady Gaga and uh, hence the name, but sold 2 million. Hmm. Wii. Um, fun shit. What do you think, This Ron? This came out early or late last year, didn't it? And they just now started promoting it. So, I think the story is that they started promoting it on the uh, Disney Channel and, you know, to little girls and stuff like that. And after that, just, you know, huge success. Making a note here, huge success. (laughs) Very well done, Randy. No thoughts on (laughs) Just Dance? Have you played it? Do you love it? What's going on? No, I have not. I have not played it. I'm an old white guy. I don't dance well at all, unless I'm drunk and, you know, and I'm at, like, a cousin's wedding or some crap like that, so... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, that's a bit more about you than I ever wanted to know. But. <laughs> Let's move on from the Wii to Natal, shall we? We have a um, the T- uh, THQ Executive Vice President of Core Games. That's a very interesting title. Danny Bilson, he is speculating on a core game for Natal. And basically what his, the gist of it is he wants to take a step back and see exactly the profitability of Natal, but... If it sells enough, we don't exactly have a um, profit margin that he's going for exactly. He wants a $40 million core game on it all, but he's definitely in no hurry to actually put it out. He definitely wants to see how how well it does. So are you, uh, what do you guys think? Is it going to sell enough for him to do this? Um, do you think this is the general consensus around developers? Uh, a kind of wait-to-see approach? Months? I think I think uh, this is right for THQ. Uh, this is the right tactic for them because if they fail, they fail big because they don't really have that much capital to go by, mm. uh, even though they have had recent success. Uh, I think you know EA and and Activision and those guys, they're the guys that are going to come out early and you know take a chance because they can afford to lose, and uh, mm. they're going to take a chance because if they do and if they succeed, 
they're going to sell a bunch and they're going to help, you know, a uh, future-proof platform. Uh, you know, if no one takes a chance, then it'll definitely fail, just not on the whole. So someone's going to have to do something. Yeah, I think... I think I, I agree with you, Mots. I think that they take two does need to kind of hang on to a little bit. But I think um, when it comes to Natal and and to a lesser extent move, um, or you know to the same extent move, I should say, it's not like the Wii where when people buy the the Wii they've suddenly got all the motion control. They're they're trying to almost retrofit this into into consoles that are already out there. So yeah, it, it'll take a while. I, I think by the time that Natal and Move will. By the time they become successful, we'll be seeing the launches of the PlayStation 4 and the next Xbox. Yipes! Ooh. Mm. We're, we're kind of late in the in the in the life cycle of these consoles, guys. You know, you don't well, think, you don't think it's of, the extended lifespan. Everyone's been talking about this console yeah. generation being at. Some of you even said the last um, in terms of uh, as they exist now, separate from TV and TV connectivity and PC. But um, do you don't think it's going to be an extra long console life cycle? I think it's going to be a little bit longer than what we normally see, but not that long. I think people, you know, what generally tends to happen is people see what better games are out there on, um, you know, console or on on PC and stuff like graphically and just selection wise, um, and then they and then the consoles suddenly do a catch up. I, that's just generally the way it goes. It goes. PC beats out consoles, and then consoles do something totally badass to pass out PC specs, and then PC specs, you know, once again surpass console stuff, and then you know they kind of you know uh, see, uh, uh, seesaw back and forth like that. Um, and we're starting, we're easily starting to see where PC gaming is looking a lot prettier graphically than than console gaming. Okay. Um, I don't know how much I agree with that, but I, I'll say that uh, most analysts and, and, and those guys. They say at least 10 years, uh, this constant cycle. At least, if not more, if not 15, just because of the, the fact that we do have our consoles plugged into the internet now, and that makes a huge difference in terms mm. of their you know, um, life cycle. Yeah, I mean, uh, the life cycle might be 10 years, um, but that doesn't mean that, that it's going to be the only one in 10 years. Mm. I mean, they'll release the, the next one at the 8-year mark or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Interesting approach, Randy. If you disagree with him, feel free to come and bitch about uh, bitch about him in the comments. Yeah, God knows we all do. Yeah, but um, more uh, yeah, but more importantly, we're going to move on. We're going to highlight another applaudable effort here. We always make an effort here at ElderGeek.com to um, promote developers and outside sources in terms of charity work. And here we got some major um, stuff from Capcom in regards to the Lost Planet 2 multiplayer demo. It's announced that for every person that downloads the upcoming uh, multiplayer demo, which will be available on April 22nd, the charity will donate an unspecified amount of money to the Linkin Park-based charity, go figure, Music for Relief. This gives um, relief money and supplies to um, places like Zimbabwe, Haiti, of course, U.S. Gulf Coast and Southeast Asia. So a major, major props to Capcom for doing this, which means all of you guys there, if you want to support these efforts, got to go out and get the multiplayer demo for Lost Planet 2. That's April 22nd. You guys would, got anything to add? Yeah, I would say just uh, do it anyway. And, and uh, you know, and who cares if it if they only donate a nickel or whatever. It's, it's absolutely. you know, well, yeah. five cents well, not off of your, uh, out, out of your wallet. Uh, yeah, and it's, you know, the demo is free. Uh, they're actually maxing it out at $25,000, uh, which means for the first million, they'll uh, give the charity $20,000. 
And then at the next 500,000 downloads, they'll add another 5,000 downloads. And after that, they've maxed that out. Uh, okay. But, you know, just make sure everyone go out and make sure they actually get to that maximum number. So go out Absolutely. and download the demo. You don't even have to play it. If you, if you hate multiplayer shooters, that's <laughs> fine. Just support these guys because this is – I mean, they're clearly doing this. Uh, for you know their own profit, they're probably making oh, back absolutely. double in promotion of, of this thing. But it's still going; it's still money going to the right place. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not only uh, when you support this kind of stuff, not only does it um, support the charity in this case, it supports the mindset that this is profitable for companies. And utilizing the capitalist system, you're going to get more companies doing this for profit, and you're going to get more charities supported this way. So this yeah. is the way you vote with your dollars. And again. You're not even spending money in this case. Get the demo. It doesn't sound like a lot, $2 million. You may not think that you need to be involved. It still helps. So everyone, all EGs, go out, get this demo, April 22nd on, I believe, 360 in PS3, correct? Do we know? Yes. Yes. All right, go out there and get it, guys. This is important, and it's probably the only way that you're going to enjoy being involved with Lincoln Park. Yeah. Hey, I'm actually going to – I want to take over the uh, the next uh, news item. I, I kind of uh, wanted to throw this into the list. It's not something we had on the list beforehand. But as of today, you can now use a USB drive for your Xbox 360 with a uh, with a, an update that actually just came out. So no longer do you need to go out and pay for those exorbitantly overpriced to hard, you know, hard drives for your, external, your Xbox 360. You can use any – external um, USB, um, external hard drive. So everybody out there, especially people that are wanting to play Final Fantasy 13 without you know, chewing up all their hard drive space, you can now use any external hard drive, so go and do that right now. I and should mention, it, I should mention uh, the, the maximum for these any hard drives is 16 gigabytes. Or, sorry, gigabytes. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Microsoft has also released their own uh, version, uh, their own official my, uh, Xbox 360 USB stick. Uh, but this is insanely expensive, so don't buy that one. Just buy a third-party one. Yep. Uh, yeah. So 16 gigabytes max, but any brand? Oh, yeah. Yeah. As long as it's... I, I think it's it's better off if it's self-powered, but I, I think, you know, for 16 gigs, you can find just like a little SanDisk thumb drive that'll be, you know, that'll get more than enough power off of your 360. Yep. Okay, rock on. You guys heard it. If you need the extra space, go out and do it. It's, special. it's definitely better than trying to uh, get a hard drive from not Microsoft. That could lead to significant problems. So <laughs> this, is a, this is a nice way to do it without breaking your system. But, you know, uh, it's also a great way to save some money, too. Like, if you really want to get a 360, now there's no reason to get that mid-range one. If you're only going to get a 360 for a few games, go ahead and get the, uh, you know, the uh, Witcher Digger version. Arcade. The arcade, arcade version that is that is hard drive free and get yourself just a little you know external hard drive and you'd be saving yourself a lot of money. Yep, absolutely. Okay, thanks for the um, thanks for it, Randy. Next time you interrupt my news portion, I'm going to kick you in the balls. <laughs> oh, I'm going to interrupt you. Do not be Oh hell no! Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, okay, got, so I just want to mention quickly, you can actually have two of these, so you can have a total of 32 uh, gigabytes. Hey, look at that. That news item just got better. Yeah. <laughs> That's not intentionally interrupting me. Randy interrupted me with a whole new story that wasn't on my list. There's a difference. <laughs> this shit got to be clear with me beforehand, people. This is how it works. That was a big one. I think that was big news. Yeah. Big yeah. news. It's worth it this time. This time, you should chuck. <laughs> 
But we're moving back on to my news, absolutely. And we are moving to Ralph Bayer, I believe is B-A-E-R. That is the inventor or the one credited with the invention of the Magnavox Odyssey. For you history buffs out there, that is the first home video game console. He is being inducted into the Inventor's Hall of Fame. That's not even limited to video games. Of course, he had worked previously in the military and specifically with the uh, Sanders Associates company, the defense contractor. And about within the uh, the 60s, his technology was taken by Sanders and given to Magnavox, who then used it to develop the Odyssey. So props to him. He'll also be around in E3 from what I hear, so maybe I'll get a chance to talk to him. Great guy, huge head in the industry, arguably the father of the home console industry. And it's nice to see him being honored outside of the video games spectrum. You guys got any uh, thoughts on it? Well, I just, you know, uh, once again, uh, the military is behind the uh, technological <laughs> evolution of uh, Absolutely. Always. video games. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Randy, you have anything to add? No, no that's it. I was, I was honestly thinking to myself, like, yeah, they really are behind a lot of technological pushes. They were, uh, sure. you know, they were involved in, in space travel. They were involved in, uh, uh, you know, the exploration of the West with the Lewis and Clark expedition. So, yeah, go Go military and uh, and progression. So yeah, and, I, and actually that uh, fun fact, kiddies, the military is also where we got the first version of Pong. I believe it's called on a machine called the Oscillator of some variety. Um, yep. A engineer designed something he called Tennis for Tool Two. Mm. Tennis for Tool. Tennis for Two, where you basically <laughs> use the knobs to manipulate these little things that would later become the Pong paddles, and you just you know hit the little dot that usually shows like energy readings or something. And that was the first version of Pong. So the military is everywhere. Fun everywhere. Fact. Fun fact. A few months ago, I was at the Technological Museum of Norway, uh, and we had one of those machines there. And I got to try Sweet. that thing. And it's, and it's fun. Believe me. How are the controls? Did it hold up? Uh, well, it's it's just two, uh, you know, <laughs> buttons. You basically press a button to bounce the, the, the ball back over. We're going to need to give us a review, Mons. Yeah. Because this is what we need. <laughs> yep. The video game is involved in everything. <laughs> Except that we we don't know exactly how they're involved in our next news item, but it's a good bet that they are. The first 3D gaming summit is happening later this year, April 20 or later this month actually, April 22nd, uh, 21st to 22nd, and of course Universal City next to LA, and it's going to be keynoted oddly enough by Paul W S Anderson, who you remember for directing the Resident Evil films and Mortal Kombat before that. So, yay. They're going to be discussing things like stereotopic 3D, 3D in-games, 3D TVs, etc. You guys excited about the gaming summit? Well, if he is the same guy that's doing the next Resident Evil movie, then yes. they are using the uh, fusion camera system, which is the same that Avatar used. So it makes sense. True. Yeah. Although the gaming portion is what confuses me. He's not necessarily been involved in games. But he also is, of course, he's set to direct Buck Rogers, which will be in 3D. And why they're bringing back Buck Rogers of all things, I have no idea. But yeah, they brought back <laughs> they brought back Battlestar Galactica. Why can't they bring back Buck Rogers? Well, there's a difference there. It's a matter a matter of degree uh, decades between them. But hey, they they brought back King Kong. Who am I to who am I to question? True enough. True enough. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're going to be bringing back that that Edison film from 1897 with a guy sneezing. Oh, what about the one where he thing. shocks the elephant? Oh, that'd be awesome. That's, that's, the, that's the action scene. <laughs> the story behind the movie. <laughs> Needless Disney to say, guys. Open suffer. <laughs> 3D Gaming Summit. Hopefully we're going to get some news about that. I'm not exactly sure if it's going to be 
uh, a nice conduit for games releases or anything like that. But if anything, any good news comes through, you know Elder Geek will be on top of it. But, and speaking of people that are talking about 3D, Sony has come through with a major, majorly dense interview about in-home convergence, or specifically at the MI6 convention, Peter Dill, who has an awesome last name, the Senior Vice President of Marketing in the PlayStation Network, these people with their long um, titles, I have no idea, gave a curiously titled conference at this event called Redefining the Digital Living Room. In essence, it's basically talking about how in the future, 2014, all, most 70% of TVs will be HD, consoles will be hooking up to them, how, oh, how a wonderful feature it will be. And meanwhile, Core Gamers got a nice little bit on the PSP Go, talk, and how he talked about it not being a success at retail, per se. But we got a lot of info about this, mostly about digital distribution, online components, social networking, apparently they can't leave home alone, and connectivity with televisions. You guys uh, check this thing out? You excited about the, the future of living room entertainment? In the year 2014! Yeah, I'm excited. It's gonna be, it's gonna be nice. That was my in the year 2014. You never saw those old... You never saw those old uh, Conan bits where where they would they would predict what happens in the future, but they would sing in the year 2000. And even though it was like well past the year 2000, they would still sing in the year 2000. I don't watch Conan. I like entertainment. So. Oh, ow! I never liked it's, Conan. It's it's all about Craig Ferguson. Absolutely, man. Go for the Craig Ferguson. He is the yeah. guy. To, or excuse me, Jimmy Fallon when he's when he's debuting yes. game. Jimmy Fallon. But yes. we're getting <laughs> off topic. PlayStation brand is going to head the future of the living room. You guys think it's going to be the PS3? Do you think it's going to back up what it's saying? Does it have the future-proof mentality that they think it is? Does? I think so, dude. Like, even I, they've got to kind of pick up the pace a little bit because even televisions and like, uh, I think my Verizon FiOS actually allows you to connect to Facebook and Twitter and crap like that while you're actually just watching TV. So yeah, they kind of have to. They're they're a little bit behind. They're a little further behind than we think they are. I think they have to uh, to, uh, to chop off another hundred bucks before that can happen. But uh, uh, I think he's pretty spot on on the rest of it. I think you know he he definitely has a clear view of where the immediate future is going to go. I think, uh, mm. and you know, uh, talking about PSP Go perhaps wasn't the greatest idea because I think that's <laughs> a pretty universal failure. Um, yeah, they could, yeah. They could probably just drop that right now and no one would care, right? Except Kip maybe. <laughs> I think, and yeah. So, but uh, I, he has a good point. I think you know what really consumers want is is a TV and one device, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't maybe a, you know a amplifier or something as well, a receiver, but you know uh, just those three things. And and you know you shouldn't have to have four game consoles. Uh, you know. Uh, 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 you know uh, what's the what's it called the thing you have in uh, in the US the uh, TiVo the internet yeah TiVo <laughs> yeah <laughs> we don't have that actually uh, you don't have any there? any type of DVR service there no oh, we have one for PlayStation but you guys don't have, uh, have oh, oh son of a bitch thingy thingy damn Japan's got it too we we don't have it yeah we 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 have that through like our cable companies like you can pay you can get it through TiVo or a lot of cable companies actually provide that provide that now now like uh, Comcast but um, I'm gonna take over the news again one more time with this uh, damn you Randy with this bit of news coming in uh, two more Modern Warfare two developers getting fired uh, Vince Zambella hey. and Jason West uh, were both fired by Activision today 
Oh, no. Hey, hey, hey. See, this is what happens when you try to take over the news that I put into the feed. What? Vince, Vince Impella and Jason West were fired, were the ones fired weeks ago. Damn! In coordination. <laughs> ha! This is what happened. Randy, you don't go up against me. This is why I'm news. But he was right, in essence. Two more developers from Infinity Ward are, have left via LinkedIn profiles, what we're getting. Eight year, eight year veteran, uh, lead designer of the project, Ted Alderman, and seven year veteran, um, Fr- Francisco Gigliotti, I believe is how you pronounce it. He was the lead software engineer. Both are gone again, and it seems like Infinity Ward is just in hemorrhaging staff at this point. Um, Activision must have pissed them off something fierce. So, what do you guys think? Is this just like the tip of the iceberg? Is Infinity Ward gonna be like, one guy in the janitor's closet in a couple weeks. What's Dude, going on? After leaving, I, after like losing core staff like that, that's a lot. Like I know it's only four people, so to speak, but a lot of the other people that work on those games are, you know, little coders and stuff like that. But these are pretty substantial roles. I think, I think we're going to be seeing a huge, huge change in Modern Warfare Three, or it's going to be the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think- See, see what I want to say right now is I'm sorry for these two guys that lost their job. That's obviously, you know, not great. Uh, but at this point, I'm kind of happy this happened. I kind of want to see some change. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I think, I think you know, call me, you know, mean. But at this point, I want to see Activision hurting a bit. I think it would <laughs> do them some good to have some humility for once. So, Yikes. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moss is a bit of a, a sadomasochist approach to capitalism. I love it. <laughs> but, we do, but we do want to issue just a clarification here. Um, Vincent Pella and Jason West were fired. Um, Todd Alderman and Francisco Gigliotti left. So this was of their own volition. They weren't fired necessarily. So this may actually be a different kind of relationship with that division here. Two guys were fired. Everyone else must be pissed off. So they're leave, they're starting to leave of their own volition now. So I don't know if that changes anything, but we just want to make a clarification there. Um, so Modern Warfare 3 may be different, may be exactly the same. Either way, it's always nice to see Activision hurting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, let's go back into our main, our news now. Hopefully no more interruptions, Randy. Sorry about that. I'll mm-hmm. try to keep quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, now let's, let's go happy. Let's have, let's have a nice little, uh, Nice little candid news item, if we will. John McAllister breaks a 20-year-old Asteroids World record. That's pretty badass. Very underdog kind of moment. Very King of Kong, if you ever saw that documentary. That is, um, the old record was 41,336,440 points. And that was set in 1982 by 15-year-old Scott Safran. uh, He actually did break it about 1.19 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on... April 6th, or at that point, would it be April 7th? I have no idea. But he, his final score tally was 41,338,740 points. Rock on him. So, and that was after 40, 59 hours straight of gameplay. Holy uh, crap. Dedication. Or, or I should say lack of crap. <laughs> Very, or maybe he had like a, a bag, a poop sack or something. Seriously. Wow! Congratulations to that guy and your your iron bowels. <laughs> and if he has friends and you know family or a girlfriend or something, I am so proud of them for you know, <laughs> through this. Because if if you know if you, I mean, this must be a great guy in that case. Because if you support a guy through that, then you know you must be like made of gold or something. Yeah. 
Congratulations to him, though. Like, honestly, yeah. that is incredibly cool. And the cherry on top of this achievement, he did it on his birthday. Ah, look at that. Ooh. Rock nice. on, John McAllister, you are in Elder Geeks Hearts. You are th- I guess we'll bring back the Geek of the Week just for this one time. John McAllister, <laughs> you are definitely it for this week. Congratulations, whatever it's worth to you. But moving on to an, an interesting news item, if you will. Dragon Age Origins had it. The original Mass Effect had it. But Mass Effect 2 didn't have it. What was it? Gay sex. If you remember, Mass Effect 1 had the option to be go um, have a lesbian uh, love affair with Liara Sony, the female Asari character. Dragon Age Origins, of course, had the bisexual elf character. But there was no distinct homosexual relationship option in Mass Effect 2. And apparently, it kind of pissed some people off. Bioware has since come forward with a couple explanations on why that was. We have different uh, opinions from Casey Hudson, who is the project director on Mass Effect 2, and Bioware co-founder Dr. Ray Mazuka. I'm probably mispronouncing that to hell. But first, let's go to um, Hudson, who commented, and I quote, We still view it as, if you're picturing a PG-13 action movie, that's how we were trying to design it. So that's why the love interest is relatively light. On the other end, we have Mazuka's. <laughs> that that in itself is really sad. That that straight sex is is okay, but as soon as it's as soon as it's gay, then it's like it's just unbelievably R-rated. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And sad thing is, that's kind of true in terms of the MPAA rating. Oh, I know, I know, and even that is absurd as well. But anyway, go ahead, move it, move on to the the second explanation. Doctor Doctor Ray Mazuka again, mispronouncing. Apologies if I am. Some, and, and again, I quote, sometimes in some of our games, we're going to have a defined character with a more defined view. Almost like a third-person narrative, where Mass Effect is more in that vein, Dragon Age isn't in that vein. For some other franchises, we've had more defined characters and sort of approaches to things. And they've had a more defined personality and more defined approach to the way they pro- proceed through the game and the world. Which I don't get, because if you were a female shepherd in the first game, you had a lesbian love affair, but in the second game, you didn't. But apparently this is all an allusion to the idea that their idea, Bioware's idea of Shepard, wasn't a homosexual Shepard. So, and that's the, how it filtered into the process of creation, and that's how it filters into playing it at, as that, the final product. That still sounds like bullshit. That sounds like a bunch of horseshit to me. Like, honestly, I, I, all sounds like it, horseshit. I think it makes more sense than the first one. I think he is right that, you know, this kind of thing has to fit within the narrative. Uh, but you do make a good point that it did exist in Aspect 1. Uh, I mean, they... Certainly did change a lot of things with Mass Effect 2, but they didn't change the protagonist, so I don't really see that uh, as a good explanation. Uh, and of course, oh, the, fan res- the fan response has been that this is a sales-related issue in a reaction to the love affair in Mass Effect 1 that you know got all the Fox News heat, and actually a lot of it was because of the option for the same-sex option. So hmm. it makes sense that they would be kind of hesitant, but uh, apparently it's not just Randy and me that are screaming horseshit at this, at these explanations. Yeah, it, so- it sounds pretty lame. Now, granted, it's not like I want my video games to be making and screaming political statements, but I, I do like it when people stand up for themselves and, and, you know, state their political beliefs. It's kind of a shame to see them make a statement once and now kind of back down from that. I think that's the sadder news in this. Also, I mean, anyone who's played Mass Effect 2, the first thing you think when you see Miranda is, I'm definitely going to have sex with her. <laughs> I'm going. I don't know. That's what I thought of when I first saw Grunt. So I have no idea what you're thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not like they're not, you know, alluding to it. Uh, Yeah. Mm, Okay. All right. Okay, and that's actually all we have in terms of the news this week. A pretty light week, but of course, very entertaining regardless. Uh, Do you guys have any final notes to add? Anything? uh, Any ideas or any 
news topics you want to make up, maybe? No, I did I did have a, a news topic, but I did not want to make this up. This is actually a legitimate thing. Uh, uh, let's see. This actually just came in today. All right. Um, where did it go? Ooh, the U.S. court today rules against FCC on net neutrality. Ruling is set back for agencies push for a national broadband plan. Um, basically, it, it boiled down to that the the U.S. Uh, government said that the FCC has no place in um, saying um, whether or not they can regulate net neutrality from big companies like Comcast and Verizon and AT&T. So um, it's kind of an interesting news piece. You know, I, I don't know if it's something that we can really get into a huge discussion yet because, um, you know, we don't have the, the legal documents or anything in front of us. Sure. Um, but it's definitely something that everybody should look out for. Um, you know, we at Elder Geek are huge uh, per, uh, supporters of net neutrality. Since absolutely, um, yeah. If 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 that kind of if if we once all start if we all had to start paying for premium internet packages and stuff like that, sites like Elder Geek might go away. So support net neutrality. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So um, just in terms of general, you you hit us with a lot of legal babble there. Give us, you know, um, give us the Reader's Digest version. Is this good or bad for the cause of net neutrality in terms of wow. ruling? It's it's definitely up in the air. It's it's kind of a different thing. Um, normally, the the battle for net neutrality is to kind of keep power away from Comcast and Verizon and yep. stuff like that. The problem, yep. but this is this is actually um, a favor of uh, this. This was a ruling in favor of uh, Comcast saying that oh. no FCC, you don't actually have the right to. Um, tell us that we can't be net neutral. So it's kind of a win for net neutrality. It's kind of a loss. I, I, I guess it's just important to say that a change has been made or progress has been made. They, they are they are taking steps forward in and making a, a more solid decision as to you know what the internet is going to become in the next ten fifteen years. Also, yep. if you're going to give the power to to basically control the internet, uh, do not don't give it to the FCC. Just don't. Right. It's I, I. I'm sure we all agree. We all like the internet as it is right now, where it's kind of this self-regulated body. Um, yes. I do understand that the fact that um, the wires themselves are owned. You know, the wires that all the information is traveled through um, that creates the internet. Most of those wires are physically owned by Comcast, physically owned by Verizon and AT and T. Um, however. The information, you know, the rule is right now they are not allowed to touch the information that flows through those wires. So you are allowed to say whatever you want and 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 go wherever you would like on the internet without any kind of intervention. You know, both the FCC and both Comcast, Verizon, and AT and T would all love to regulate that. So I don't I, <laughs> I don't want anybody's sticky fingers on it. I love the internet as it is right now. Um, I think yeah, I think that's a general consensus among geeks, and it should be. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot, it is the probably the truest version of self-regulation that you can possibly find in this modern world. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah, everything else has someone. Everyone else has someone's money on it, and you can smell the stink a mile away. The internet, as much as we hate for uh, you know forums uh, with flame baiters and all that, and to the point where we created our own site against it. The point is that they're allowed to speak whatever they want, no matter how delightfully racist and troll-like it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, the, the when it boils down to it is um you know you're you are allowed to speak freely whatever you want on the internet and it and that's okay um but when it comes to the point where if if 
if Comcast or something like that were to suddenly take over uh, what can be regulated to your home and everything like that, you might start seeing things like packages um, where only you know certain approved sites can be can be accessed through Comcast and stuff like that. But if you wanted to access more sites beyond the standard package, you would have to pay more. So it would be like a, a television package equivalent of the internet. Yeah, and that's just something we can we can have because, like Randy said, sites like Elder Geek who can't either drum up the money or um, support for you know to be included in these packages. All these kind of sites will drip through the drain, and this and this isn't just on the corporate side. If the FCC dropped it, we'd have much more of a regulation on what people can say. Maybe not necessarily on what can be accessed. This would be you know there would be censorship on the internet, which would be the ideal goal of the FCC, as that's what they're meant to do. And that would be equally as aggravating, as if you will. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be worse. Uh, but you know, the, the thing with with the whole inclusion um, tax or whatever you want to call it, I think it would really be more of an exclusion kind of thing. They they would mm-hmm. exclude certain certain sites. Yeah, so I don't absolutely. think that would be as major of a problem. But you know, giving a private company that kind of power just isn't a good idea in general. So never. Absolutely yeah. not. So net neutrality is still very much a a, um, a a hot issue among us geeks. So you know, like I said, today was neither a win nor a loss. It was just a change. So you know, everybody, you know, pay as cl- much attention as you can to that kind of thing because it's very important for the future of us all. So absolutely, and yeah. not uh, not just pay attention to it because if you, um, there's a major support on YouTube in terms of um, videos. Uh, in terms of the arguments presented actually within the government, you'll be absolutely, you'll be able to see people arguing for and against it. There's a lot of support on YouTube for that. There's just a tons of methods to get involved if you want to. And if you ever need to, this is the issue to do it. There's, uh, just take a look, see if you actually want to contact senators or something like that. All of the information is available and I'll make sure on our new site on eldergeek.com, you'll have the method to get to these places from our site. So make sure to keep it. Tune to Elder Geek for all of your net neutrality needs. So, Gavin, what you're saying is light a candle instead of curse the darkness? Instead of, uh, <laughs> is that what you're saying? I have no idea what you mean by that. Instead of just sitting around bitching about it, try to do a little yeah. bit of something about it. Well, if, we, we yeah, should mention. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, everyone has to. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, stick a pitchfork up everyone's ass. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm going to make it available on our site if you want to get involved. And I think personally, this is me to you, to everyone listening. You should. Yeah, but that's I, just saying well, it. I can't have any sort of method of getting you to do it. Just some a bit of good news on this part. Uh, just you know, um, you guys. I mean, I'm not from America, but you guys did a good job uh, on voting for Obama because he is very much for net- neutrality. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though you know FCC answers to the Congress, it's a big step, and and you know it it the future looks brighter because of it. So I think that's a good thing. Mats, I'm really proud of you because you actually spoke more clearly about American government than most Americans do. <laughs> so that's, that's usually how it goes, sadly. But Mats is just Mats is a bastion of clarity. That's why we have him on. Exactly. He's a, he's a better American than me and Randy. That's Combined. true. Not at all because I say crazy stuff. Oh, like that's right. You nuclear vessels. <laughs> <laughs> so does that about wrap it up for the week everybody 
I think it, I think that's the best place we can leave it on this week. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, be sure, as always, to check out 8bitx.com, where you can also hear this podcast played every Thursday night. I think our slot is at 8 o'clock, but they also have uh, other cool shows that they run on there, like um, Justin Johnston's uh, Radio Free Gamer, which they play some badass uh, video game music, and the 8BitX Torment. Tournament, even though they're not uh, playing right now, they're still kind of mixing it up by doing club nights and fun stuff like that. So um, come on back again next week, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye. Yahoo! You're all clear, kid!